to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco, Mark Nortz here today. And we're joined now by Dr. Adolphus Belk. He's a professor of political science at Winthrop University, and he's also the chair of the faculty conference at Winthrop. So, Dr. Belk, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, tell us, uh, you know, how are you surviving this stay-at-home order and the, the work-from-home and the online remote instruction? How's, how's all that been going for you so far? I think that those of us who are in a position to continue to do our jobs from the safety mm-hmm. of our homes are in a privileged position. There are a lot of people who have been deemed essential workers, and they have to go in and work in some pretty scary circumstances. There are others whose work has been discontinued, they've been furloughed, they've been laid off. So I'm not going to complain about working from home when other people don't have the option to do so. And as far as the disruption is concerned, it's been more for my children because they have to you know, do school remotely and we're going through the e-learning, though homeschooling a five- and six-year-old won't stump us. Um, I do miss being on campus and miss being in the classroom, interacting with my colleagues. Um, that's one of the best parts of the job for me. So I miss that. But we found ways to connect and to keep people going. The thing that I've been saying all along is that under these circumstances, our students will remember us more for how we treat them than what we taught them. And so I'm trying to treat people with some compassion and show some grace. I think that's very well said. I know oftentimes I've talked about and thought about how fortunate we've been to be in a position that we oh, can absolutely that we can do this. And man, every time I go in a grocery store or think about uh, someone running, uh, you know, a gas station or something, wow, God bless those people for keeping those things going because it's so important. But uh, so very yeah, well said. I hope when we come out of this, people have a better understanding of what is essential, and that not only do we show these people gratitude by thanking them. But maybe we try to improve their wages and the conditions of their work because they're doing some hard work right now. Absolutely. Tell us your Winthrop story, basically. How did you end up at Winthrop, and uh, you know what's your experience been like there? So, I am a Brooklyn, New York native, and did undergraduate school at Syracuse Grad School at the University of Maryland. I'm looking at an announcement from the American Political Science Association about jobs. I see the job at Winthrop, and they're asking for someone to teach courses in American politics, African-American politics, and someone who might have an interest in helping to build and maybe one day even help lead a minor program in African-American studies. And as I read the job description, I said to myself aloud, I'd be a fool not to apply, because it sounded like it was written by me for me. So I call home. And I talked to my pop, and I'm like, hey, pop, um, you ever heard of Rock Hill? And he's like, oh, yeah, I know Rock Hill. It's like on the corner from Lancaster. My dad's a South Carolina native, oh, born and nice. raised in Lancaster. Nice. And so that was the beginning. Um, you know, I, I applied. I got the, I got a phone interview, impressed enough during the phone interview to get invited down to campus, and really enjoyed what I saw. Like, I learned a long time ago as an undergrad that universities can be nasty places, and great professors who are extraordinary teachers sometimes don't get tenure, and being a great teacher seemed to work against them. So I, I knew I always wanted to be at a place where teaching would be valued and respected mm-hmm. and that I'd have opportunity to grow into being a good teacher. And I felt like went was that sort of place. And then I remember during the campus visit, you know, being a New Yorker, going to school in the D.C. area, I think people were concerned about what they might regard as the South Carolina problem. And my, my trump card during all those conversations was, well, you know, my daddy knows from Lancaster. And I could see the ease come over people at that point because they knew I, I was familiar with the area and nothing down here would, would scare off a city kid, you know, that I was comfortable uh, being in the South. And, you know, I think um, there are a lot of opportunities for folk down here if they're willing to get over certain, um, certain stereotypes and biases against the South. Dr. Bell, tell us about the, the political science program and, and what kind of opportunities there might be for students who choose that as a major. Yeah, when I, when I think about our department, um, we are small, but we are mighty. Um, there are some really outstanding teachers in our department who enjoy working with students and helping them grow intellectually and, and personally. 
There are a lot of opportunities to enjoy instruction with faculty members in smaller class settings. There are opportunities to apply one's knowledge through things like the Model United Nations Conference, the Center for Public Opinion and Policy Research, which does the Winter Poll, as well as opportunities for internships with different types of organizations, ranging from law firms to political parties and all that sort of thing. One of the things we talk about is that the road to the White House comes through South Carolina, and it most certainly comes through Rock Hill and Winthrop University. And during the last several presidential election cycles, there have been all sorts of events that have been hosted on campus. So there are a lot of opportunities for students to see political science up close and to practice or engage in political science. And that's not only for those who study American politics, but also for those who are interested in public administration and public policy. The city manager for Rock Hill is a Winthrop graduate and at one point was an instructor in our department. And we have a relationship with the city where there's an internship opportunity every year. So there are opportunities then to get that practical, hands-on experience to apply what you learned in the classroom, whether you study American politics, comparative politics and international relations, public administration, political theory, so on and so forth. A lot of our students go into education. Some of them go on to pursue careers in law or the legal profession, but others have ended up doing really interesting things in the hospitality industry to um, intergovernmental relations and all sorts of things. So we, we offer students, I think, a holistic approach to the study of political science with a particular emphasis on getting them involved in doing research or having experiences that can help them to find a career path. And the, the last thing I'll say about that, a couple of years ago, uh, Dr. Chris Van Aller helped to develop a course called Political Science 101, Careers in Political Science. And we've really encouraged our new students, our first-year students, to take that course so they can have an understanding on the way in about all the possibilities that are available to them in our field of study, including but not limited to law school. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco, Mark Nortz here, and we're speaking with Dr. Adolphus Belk, professor of political science at Winthrop University. Earlier you mentioned about South Carolina being on the map, on the road to the White House. Um, While we've got you here, I mean, what a great example of that this year where, you know, back before the South Carolina primary, it looked like Bernie Sanders is the front runner and, and Joe Biden's campaign is maybe on its way out. And then South Carolina comes and Jim Clyburn makes that endorsement of, of Joe Biden. And, you know, what's your impression of uh, what we saw happen in, in the political landscape in the primary on the Democratic side change this year just because of South Carolina? We've gone from a circumstance where the presidential race used to be a sprint. It's become a marathon. And if we think about what happens in the course of time leading up to the caucuses and the primaries, there are a lot of events. There are rallies. There are TV events with debates and town halls Mm -hmm. and all these things, right? But things can change rapidly once people start voting. And those first two contests gave Bernie Sanders some momentum. And even um, Mayor uh, Pete Buttigieg had some momentum coming out of those first two contests. But then the theater turned to South Carolina, which looked much more like the Democratic Party coalition than, say, Iowa or New Hampshire. The critical thing was that four days out, uh, former Vice President Biden gets that that endorsement from Representative Clyburn. And some endorsements matter more than others. Someone of Representative Clyburn's stature, the first African-American sent to Congress from South Carolina since Reconstruction, a, an activist in the civil rights movement, both he and his father, um, rest in peace, were big activists in the South Carolina freedom movement, right? So that, that nominate, that um, endorsement was absolutely critical and people took cues from it. And South Carolina African Americans delivered him a victory in this state and really provided some momentum for his campaign where he started winning in places afterward where he didn't have a campaign organization. So if it were not for African-American voters in South Carolina, that endorsement for Representative Clyburn, I doubt that Biden would be the president at this point. Well, um, dovetailing off that, you're talking about the African-American vote. 
Um, you're the past um, director of African-American studies here at Winthrop. Um, tell us a little bit about that program and what it means to, um, for our students. I think that one of the, the great tragedies of American education at the K-12 level is that most students are not required to learn anything about non-white people. And even something like the freedom movement of the 1960s, which is really recent American history, is not required learning across the states. So you have people then who come into educational or professional settings with very little experience interacting with people who are different from them, given the high level of segregation that exists in our society. And given the nature of the academic programs and institutions that educated them. So while they might have a technical education in their fields of study, their professions, they lack a lot of basic knowledge about other Americans that could prove beneficial in those professional settings. So when we look at something like African-American studies, African-American studies is for everyone. I tell my black students that they don't walk into the room with, you know, full grown out of the head of Oshun with knowledge of the black experience. And I tell my white students, especially when they say things like, well, I could never understand what it's like to be African-American. I'm like, well, can you read? Can you listen? <laughs> yeah. Can you study? Because if you can do those things, you can gain insight. And so it's something that's for everyone. And when we deliver that, that material, and I teach intro to African-American studies, we don't start with slavery because no people begin their history in bondage. They were something else before they were that, right? That black people didn't become slaves because they were black. They were made black through the process of enslavement. So, you know, we, we deal with a lot of different things. There are stones to other fields of study because it's an interdisciplinary subject. And we try to have some fun with it along the way because people's history is about more than the misery and the hardships that they've endured that those things don't define them exclusively, that even through those hardships, there's also joy, there's achievement, there's hope. Um, so when we deal with that subject, when we deliver that course and other courses in the program, we try to have that balance. I'd like to ask you one more question as it relates to race with the presidential election. You hear from so many people who are disappointed in the outcome of the primary when you had you know, such a large and, and pretty diverse field, you know, a number of women, um, people of color who were running in the primary. And then what we ended up with was a 70-year-old man who's white. Wh what do you think is the reaction to people who are disappointed in that? And, and, and what's the discussion been like when you've had these types of discussions in class with your students? I think there's something deeply offensive when people sometimes assume that by not supporting these mm -hmm. candidates of color or maybe more progressive or liberal candidates that African-American voters are somehow low-information voters and they made poor choices. People understand that the choices they make are limited to the choices that they have. By the time the South Carolina primary had rolled around, a lot of those diverse candidates who were actually really well-qualified uh, candidates, they were out of the race. And people are also voting based on what they see as likely outcomes. They're privileging defeating President Trump, and they want a candidate that they think could deliver on that. And that means a candidate who is appealing not only to African-American voters and other voters of color, but a candidate that appeals to enough of the white electorate in order to win some states and to win the Electoral College. So people were acting in a fashion that was really pragmatic based on their deep experiences with the United States. Notice that black voters didn't get excited about Barack Obama during the 2008 campaign until white voters demonstrated a willingness to support him. That black voters started shifting toward Obama only after he won the Iowa caucuses. And in the entire run-up before that, they were behind Hillary Clinton. So things change when people vote. People are voting based on pragmatic decisions. And when we look at some of the survey data from the Winter Poll and then from other polls, um, black voters are not feeling President Trump, and they'd like to see some change in November. Okay, that sounds really good. Um, Dr. Belk, we'd like to switch gears a little bit here. Um, can you tell us, like, one of your favorite Winthrop moments? I feel like my greatest professional successes, my greatest educational successes at Winthrop are not when recognition or awards my way, but it's when my 
graduates go out into the world and do great things and amazing things. So I always feel mm-hmm. most proud when something crosses my social media wire or it's my inbox about a student celebrating a professional or personal achievement. And it's been wonderful watching some of my graduates go on and run for and win public office, go to law school and, and pass bar examination, open their own practices, doing immigration work, or people get involved in campaigns or they come back to Rock Hill working in governmental relations. Um, so it's more than a single moment, but I like to see my students achieve. I will say the moment they hit me hardest, though, was a number of years ago. I did a promotional video for the university and they asked me to recommend a student to talk to. And I recommended a couple of students. They tracked one young woman down and she mentioned that she grew up in a single parent environment and also kind of felt like a dad. And my thing is, um, I don't assume my students are broken and need to be fixed. I don't make assumptions about their personal lives. I am their professor first and foremost. And over time, friendships can evolve out of that. It was the first time somebody had kind of referred to me that way. And so one, it hit me like, wow, I'm old enough to be somebody's dad. Like, he's like an adult. <laughs> so that was the first blow. But the second blow was like, wow, I'm, that, that we really made a connection here. And that's a level of trust that is earned that you never, ever want to betray. Um, and so that was the moment that kind of hit me hardest about the significance of the work that we do as educators. One last thing we want to ask you about is, you know, a lot of people are passing the time and, and getting through these stay-at-home orders and, you know, dealing with things through music. Um, if we were going to ask you about uh, what you might be listening to on your pandemic playlist, what, what might you recommend to us? I've been setting up a long introduction from five to six-year-old to get to hip-hop. And out of that means introducing them to the source material that was sampled by those artists in the 80s and 90s. So they're listening to a lot of things that were ultimately incorporated into you know, some of the classic hip-hop. So a lot of James Brown, Parliament and the Funkadelic, Otis Redding. Um, they're getting some um, the meters, you know, some of that really, really good stuff. Um, when it comes to my own rotation, I'm, I'm preparing for a podcast that I do with a couple of my, my buddies from undergrad. And they asked us, if you were introducing someone to hip-hop, you know, what album would you pick? And so I recommended Things Fall Apart by the Roots. And I've been listening to that a lot lately to get ready for that conversation. So that's absolutely um, my favorite hip-hop group, the Roots. But they... The interest run deep. Hip hop introduced me to a whole lot of other genres. So I listen to everything from jazz, blues, rhythm and blues, house music, funk, um, Afrobeat. You know, hip hop is served as a bridge to take me to a lot of different places. If you're going to pick one root song for us, what might it be? Ooh. Like you get one song on the desert island for the next five years until the ship passes by to to rescue you. What would it be? I know it's a terrible, tough question, right? Well, it's a tough question, but if I need some good foot to go in to sustain me and mellow me out, you know, manage my stress level, I would say act to the love of my life. Outstanding. Which was also on the Things Fall Apart album. Outstanding. Dr. Belk, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on and go Eagles. That was Dr. Adolphus Belk, professor of political science at Winthrop University, and you're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Hip hop, yeah. 
Anticipation of roses, time froze. I stared off the stage with my eyes closed and dove into the deep cosmos. The impact pushed back the first five rows. But before the raw live shows, I remember eyes are low, snot nose, rocking gazelle, guy goes and eyes are closed. Learning the ropes of ghetto survival. People not the situation I had to slide through. Had to watch my back, my front, my, my side too. When it came to getting mine, I ain't trying to argue. Sometimes I wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for you. Hip hop, you the love of my life. And that's true. And that's when true. I was handling the shit I had to do, it was all for it you. All for from you. the door, from you. the door. Speak through, you're getting paper on tour for you. From the start, thought was down by law for you. Used to hit up every corner store wall for you. We ripped shit and kept it hardcore for you. I remember late night, steady rocking the mic. Hip hop, you the love of my life. So tell the people like that, y'all. And it y'all. sounds so nice. Hip hop, you the love of my life. We yo, about to take it to the top. I was speaking to my guy, Regan. I see what desperately Seeking to organize enough confusion, using no protection, told on resurrection, caught in the hype Williams and lost her direction. Getting eight in sections where I wouldn't eat her. her under the counter love, so silently I treat her. Her daddy a beat her. Eyes off her in the mix on tape. Niggas had her in the buck. When we touch, it was more than just a fuck. The police in her, I found peace. Like Malcolm in the East. Seen her on the streets of New York. Took it off, tried to make a hit with her, but my dick went soft. Moving weight, losing weight, not picky. Choose the day, too confused to hate. With us talk, I've been late close to 30. Most of the niggas she know is dirty, having more babies than Lauren. She started showing early. As of late, I realized that this is a fate or destiny to bring the best to me. It's like God is testing me. In retrospect, I see she brought life and death to me. Peace to us collectively, live and direct. When we perform, it's just coffee shop chicks and white dudes. Over her, I got into it with that nigga Ice Cube. Now the fight move to in life, making the right moves. Besides God and family, you my life's true. Like that, like that, like that. Hip hop, 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 hip with Act 2, Love of My Life, a part of our pandemic playlist this afternoon here for Virtual Winthrop Day on Eagle Air Live. Joe Casco, Mark Nortz here with you this afternoon, having way too much fun on a Saturday. And it's really just exciting to hear all of these stories. And we've heard from so many people today who are listening right now. Uh, You know, a story we might relay is that we were in here for about 90 minutes yesterday, just prepping the studio. And we checked out the stream where we get a little bit of listener data. Mm-hmm. And the peak um, yesterday that we saw, uh, today we did the math. It, our highest peak that we've had this afternoon was 14 times higher than what it was yesterday on an average day. And here we are on Saturday. So we've heard from so many people. Thank you so much. Many of our colleagues, um, you know, many of our colleagues in the mass comm department, we've heard from people like 
Nathaniel Frederick, uh, Bonnie Stewart, our department chair, Guy Real, uh, Bill Schulte, and uh, Padmini Partwarden. Um, we've heard from so many of our colleagues. Thank you so much for listening today and, and taking part in this and, and sending your well wishes and kind words. And, and we want to hear from where, you, where you're listening from. Tweet at us, hashtag Eagle Air Live, or you can send us your, your song request to our uh, Facebook page or just tweet at us with hashtag Pandemic Playlist. If you need to know more about Winthrop, if you're a prospective student, if you're a family out there, just go to our website, winthrop.edu. There is all kinds of information. You can take a virtual tour. We have admissions people standing by, right? And you can call we them do, today, Mark. Yes, admissions standing by. That's 803-323-2191, 803-323-2191. And ask them the questions. If you've got questions, don't be shy. Um, it, it sounds cliche, but the the only stupid question is the one that you didn't ask, and that's another thing we tell students: um, make sure that you you do ask the questions about the major. You understand what major that, that you want to go into. Um, too many times we see confusion. Um, they get into the major and they said, "Oh, well, I thought it was this, but apparently it's this." You got to do your homework, kids. Um, make sure that you understand exactly what the major is. So, get a hold of somebody at admissions. Give them a call, 803-323-2191, or go to the Winthrop website and just click the admissions tab, and it'll give you a ton of information. And like they said, um, they've got a lot of things going on. There's going to have a virtual open house and live campus tours with students, um, and then the online website to learn about Winthrop at your own pace. That's where you can just you know take your time and, and read over the material, material that they have there. And some of the stuff coming up, um, they're going to have, which I, th- I think this is really cool, um, they're going to have a virtual roommate mixer, and that's going to be hosted by Winthrop's uh, Council of Student Leaders. And if you're not familiar, the Council of Student Leaders is the, the campus, um, the students on the campus, it's the governing body. It's the li- liaison organization between the students and our board of, um, <clears throat> excuse me here, I, I'm fighting a, a sinus infection and I keep losing my voice, but... Um, yeah, the, the school board and the, they were they're the liaison between the campus community and uh, the campus students, excuse me, and um, and the school board. So um, yeah, check that out. That'll be pretty cool. And then um, they're going to have real talk with parents. And there's going to be um, from April 27th to May 14th. They call it Major Knowledge with Winthrop. And it's going to be academic departments are hosting virtual information sessions to give you an idea about what life in the classroom at Winthrop is really like. So you'll get to experience um, basically a mini lecture. And you'll see like the different styles that are used to, to impart information on students in the classroom. So you may see um, a really neat PowerPoint presentation or you may see... You may see a dissection of a frog. Um, who knows? Um, so you need to check those out. And, again, you can find out more information just by going to um, winthrop.edu and click on the admissions tab. A few more people we want to mention that we've heard from today. Dana Bruno, she's the program coordinator in the office of for the first-year experience here at Winthrop. She says that she's listening while working from home and that she loves Winthrop students and faculty. We also heard from Judy Longshaw from Winthrop University Relations, and we heard from Dr. Michael Whitney, the program director of the DIFD program here, Digital Information Design yep. at Winthrop. It's a uh, multidisciplinary uh, a major that encompasses mass communication and um, computer, programming, computer, computer science. science, graphic design. Um, yeah, the digital information design program is really interesting. Um, it has an overall core of classes, and then students can pick. You know, do I want to do digital information design in a mass com in a mass communication track? Um, do I want to do digital information design in a computer science track? And so, it's just a wide open major. Um, you can get basic. Um, computer language and programming. Um, You can learn about e-commerce, website design, um, website banners. And then, of course, on the mass comm side, mass communication side, um, you can learn about video production and audio production. And so it it kind of goes hand in hand. What we're finding is um, students that come out um, of that program have a a very unique skill set. Not only can they... um, 
design websites, but they can create the content that goes on it. And the more tools you have in your toolbox, the better off you'll be. And so Dr. Whitney sent us a request for the pandemic playlist. Another appropriate one today, Mark. It's Stevie Nicks. My girlfriend stand back. My girlfriend. Back yes. in the back in the eighties, you and Stevie were and we were we were pretty hot. We were pretty hot item. I can remember um I was cleaning out an old box from college and I had this collage of Stevie Nicks pictures. And my kids were very young at the at that point in time and and they said, oh, who is she? Was she your girlfriend? And I said, yes. Yes, she is. Yes. And so I told them about Stevie Nicks. And so my oldest son looked at me and he goes, so if you would have married her, we'd be famous. And I said, no, we would have just been her entourage. But yeah, Stevie Nicks still have a soft spot in my They'd heart been for lugging her. luggage from the bus to the stage. And I do it happily with a great big <laughs> grin on my face. Send us your request. You can send us a direct line at our Facebook page. It's at W Winter or I'm sorry, W U Eagle Air on Facebook, or you can just tweet at us with hashtag pandemic playlist. Stevie Nicks is coming up next, and then we're gonna hear from the dean of the business school here at Winthrop University.
listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. I'm Joseph Casco alongside Mark Nortz, and now we're joined by the dean of the business school here at Winthrop, P.N. Saxena. P.N., thank you so much for being with us today. It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So just tell us, how did you end up at Winthrop, and what do you think of uh, our campus and community? So I was not looking. I was at Indiana University South Bend for 22 years before I arrived at Winthrop almost three years ago. And I wasn't looking, at least from my side, but it turns out that I was. Uh, And when I started to look, I actually had a colleague at IU South Bend who had interviewed at Winthrop. And she came back and she was all gaga over her, you know, the colleagues she met and how beautiful the campus was. And as luck would have it, about a month later, I saw the ad for the dean's position. And so even though I wasn't planning to look, I applied. uh, And uh, long story short, arrived on campus, fell in love with it, actually came to campus with an offer in my pocket, uh, said no to that one, and sincerely hoped that I'd get this offer. So I'm very pleased to be here, very blessed to be here. And really enjoying my time at Winthrop. That's a funny story because I've been at Winthrop now. This is my second year, and I just kind of stumbled across the listing at the time too. And and when I actually heard from our department chair, Guy Real, that they were still going to fill the position because it was kind of late in the year, I just right. happened to be home here where my parents live for Easter. And it's so it's really it's kind of funny how things work out like that, right. isn't it? You know, in your time here, do you have a like a favorite Winthrop moment or a, a favorite uh, Winthrop story that you could share with us? Actually, the favorite moment uh, goes back to my first time on campus. So I had done the virtual tour of campus and sort of fell in love with it and how gorgeous it was. But for the first time when I drove onto campus, uh, I was blown away. My breath was you know, taken away because it was... It is such a gorgeous campus. I love the buildings. I love the red brick. Uh, And then what was the cherry on top was, uh, you know, meeting with the students uh, and meeting my future colleagues who are now my colleagues. So that remains uh, etched in my brain as to the first time I I stepped foot on campus and how beautiful it was. Uh, P.N., you talked about, you know, how beautiful the campus is. Can you talk a little bit about um, what it is that sets the the College of Business apart from other um, uh, colleges and other universities? So the focus in the College of Business is to provide a transformative education. Uh, And as both of you know, we have a very diverse uh, student uh, population. And so what I've loved and enjoyed doing is forming partnerships, internally with my colleagues, with our students. Uh, And then I think most importantly for the success of our students with the business community. And so what we have is we have some significant partnerships that are leading to incredible opportunities for our students. And I'll give you two very quick examples. We just heard two days ago that uh, BNA, which is a financial advisor firm in Rock Hill, has decided to establish the BNA Scholars Program. And what they do is they hire students to be interns and the ones that work out, they actually hire them as scholars and they're going to give them $10,000 a year towards tuition help and to sit for the CPA exam. So that is an incredible opportunity for the students who get selected to be BNA Scholars. Uh, Another one quickly, we have uh, Carroll Financial Uh, And they believe in what we are doing. And so this last semester, our students helped manage a million dollars of real money, a student managed investment fund. The fund did well. And Chris Carroll actually gave 45,000 to the College of Business for future student success. So what I've enjoyed the most, and I think what sets us apart is the fact that uh, our goal is to mission is to provide a transformative education, and we are starting to deliver on that through the partnerships that we are establishing. Well, you you mentioned uh, Carroll Financial. Can you um, tell our listeners uh, about Carroll Hall and what that has to offer uh, potential students? Absolutely. So Carroll Hall uh, was a gift from Carroll Financial, the owners, Larry and Vivian Carroll. It celebrates Vivian Carroll, who was a graduate uh, of Winthrop. And their vision was to really create uh, a space for 
personal finance and financial planning. Uh, and so we have a trading room where students can, we have nine different TV screens and you can watch different markets uh, or different uh, price indexes or whatever you're interested in watching at that time. You can come up with some trading strategies. We have a ticker tape that's uh, on, on top in the room. You can see quotes. Uh, so it's a state-of-the-art building. It has a few computer labs. It, ha it has some uh, breakout study rooms that students use. So it's it's a fantastic building that has really come alive, given the gift by the Kettles. So, PN, we probably have a number of prospective students and, and parents maybe listening today. If they were to choose Winthrop and decide to major in business or accounting, you know, what kind of job opportunities might there be available for those people? And, uh, you know, where can they expect maybe a Winthrop degree to take them? Absolutely. So as I tell um, anybody who listen, every organization is a business and we teach business and every organization as a backbone has technology that's powering it. And we have computer science in the building. So as I talk about, you know, computer science, uh, which is part of the College of Business, we have a uh, applied software development program we've just created. We are partnering with arts and sciences on a data science program. We are working on a cybersecurity program. Any and all of these programs, the students are spoken for, the ones who partner with us and step up and, and do a good job in the classroom, they are spoken for well before they graduate because these different areas are incredibly in demand. And then when you move to the business side of the house, again, since every organization is a business, you know, we are looking to supply businesses with all their needs. We've had a couple conversations, for example, with the Panthers, uh, and they're looking to fill their you know, business office, as they tell us, they are really a business with football as one of their areas of business. So they're looking to connect with us and to get the best students from all the disciplines within business and economics. So there are opportunities for students to do internships and internships typically lead to jobs. So I'm very pleased that you know we teach what we teach in the College of Business because that is every organization. It's funny you mention that because we were just talking with Chad Steele, Vice President of Communications for the Ravens, who was a business major yes. at Winthrop. And he was telling us about how he took an internship with the Panthers back in the late 90s and has basically parlayed that into a long-term career in the NFL. So, um, Absolutely. So pretty cool. Yes. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Joe Casco and Mark Nortz here, and we're speaking with P.N. Saxena. He's the uh -huh. dean of the College of Business Administration and a professor of accounting. P.N., tell us a little bit about how the transition to online learning this semester has gone for you. So it has actually been pretty smooth. One of the things that um, our faculty started to do in the College of Business when Winthrop started offering the online preparedness courses 101 and 102, they started taking those to get ready for teaching in an online environment. Uh, I actually completed those courses at the end of 18 just to get a sense and to learn how to best teach in a remote slash online environment. So we've been at the forefront. We've been offering um, a number of courses in an online format. So it wasn't as difficult as it might have been for some other colleagues. And I do my uh, Dean's Council every Wednesday and I have a standing question, you know, what stress are you hearing from faculty or students as far as remote instruction is concerned? And there really are very, very few things. So I'm very pleased that we stepped up and we are ready for, uh, without knowing it, we are ready for COVID-19 to strike, I guess. Well, thanks for being on the ball. Mark and I have just been watching a lot of YouTube videos to prepare. So, yeah, right. <laughs> since we've got you here, um, you know, let's uh, let's tap into your expertise as a business professional. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the shutdown? What do you think the impact's going to be on the economy with all of this? So, the impact is going to be significant and. Um, and we are already feeling it. When you look at the unemployment rate, when you look at um, small businesses and how they are suffering, it is immediate, it is real, it is happening. 
I guess the view that I take uh, and what we provide students in the College of Business is an understanding of how to make decisions during good times and then during tough times. So we are all about business resiliency uh, and that's the way we approach all of our courses. So there is going to be pain in the short run. Uh, once we are up and running, it'll take a little bit, little bit of time because we are not sure it's not an enemy that we can see leaving our shores. Uh, so there will be some hesitation. I think people stepping out and that's going to continue to have an impact on a sector of the economy, which is pretty significant. But what I also know is given the entrepreneurial nature of the country, there are businesses sprouting up that are going to be very successful uh, and they will start out with a bang because they've learned so much from, from COVID-19, which gives me um, a quick chance to also plug the entrepreneurship concentration that we offer in the college business, which actually coming in is one of the most popular concentrations. So certainly there's pain uh, and you know a lot of families are feeling it and it will be felt for a little bit, uh, but we will, we will come back stronger and we would have learned from it. And our students who are going through it now in classes, they're learning a lot about human resources in the world of COVID, uh, cybersecurity in the world of COVID, healthcare management in the world of, in the world of COVID. So it's turned into a, a lab where they're actually learning hands-on by what's happening every day. If you had to look into your crystal ball, do you think things bounce back pretty quickly once things start to open back up? Do you think people will be eager to go out and spend money, take trips after being cooped up for so long? Or do you think it's a longer, slower process? I think it's going to be a longer, slower process because the, the whole talk of the second wave, which we are seeing happening in other countries that are ahead of us. So there will be a little bit of uh, hesitation in my opinion, uh, but there's also a lot of pent up energy and I can talk for myself and in my own home. There's a lot of <laughs> pent up energy where you know people are wanting to get out and for life to go back to normal as it once was. Yeah, I um, think with just a little bit of caution. Yeah, seeing that um, we have moved everything uh, pretty much online, can you see, like, I mean, foresee business um, taking a cue from this and we come up with a whole bunch of different um, business models based on what we've learned um, having, to, don't, having done all this stuff online? Absolutely. So one of the things that, and, and the two of you may feel the same way, one of the things that students really don't enjoy are group assignments because they feel like I can work you know, better on my own and I have more control. Uh, what I've been reading and what this COVID-19 has taught us is organizations that were a little slow to moving to a virtual environment or having meetings in a virtual world have now become very comfortable. So a lot of the companies that had travel where you were you know, traveling from one location to the other, they have recognized that you can actually sit in your office or home office and you can have the same conversation and you can make the same changes. Uh, now, once in a while, they'll travel. So I think the model moving forward uh, is going to change fundamentally. I think more employees working from home uh, and a lot more virtual conversations and meetings that were not happening up to this point. We are a music station, Eagle Air, and we've got to ask you, you know, what's your pandemic playlist? What music are you listening to to get you through these times? So I grew up, my wife and I grew up in India, and so we are Bollywood fans. So we have Alexa playing either fast Bollywood music, or I grew up in the age of uh, ABBA and Bee Gees, which none of the students will recognize. So uh, we throw Alexa for a loop. She's either playing Bollywood or ABBA or Bee Gees. <laughs> My parents love the Bee Gees. And uh, <laughs> we, were, we were over here a couple weeks ago. It's really, other than Mark, the only other people I've had contact with are, are my parents. And so, uh -huh. you know, we thank goodness for that. I mean, we were sitting over here and uh, we just, we lit the grill and, and we actually were listening to the Bee Gees. So do you have a go-to nice. Bee Gees song? Uh, for me, I think it's How Deep Is Your Love, I, I got to yeah, say. Oh, or More Than absolutely. a Woman, maybe? More Than a Woman. Yeah. Mine is Nights on Broadway. Yeah. Now, How Deep Is Your Love? And, you know, my wife and I celebrate 31 years this year, so oh, that's so my favorite. My wife and I, Congratulations. Same thing. <laughs> thank yeah. you, thank you. We'll have to hear that one next. <laughs> 
Uh, PN, one last thing. Um, yes. If you were to speak to that prospective student or that prospective parent listening right now, what would you say to them to, to invite them to come and, and apply to Winthrop? So here's how I start my sessions. I typically ask everybody to simply close their eyes and take two deep, slow breaths. And this is, you know, before COVID and during COVID and after COVID. And that calms the brain down and it helps you recognize that, you know, we are in a storm at this point in time, but the storm will pass like every other storm does. If we are in good times, you know, we count our blessings during those two deep breaths, which we should continue to do every day. And we simply say, how do I get ready for the future today? Because the day that goes by never comes back. And so what I what I say to everyone who listen is the College of Business at Winthrop University, because we care, as does everybody at Winthrop, this is the place for you. Because if you are ready and willing to establish a partnership with us, the sky is the limit. The moon is the limit. You can go anywhere you want. And we'll help you get there because we have partnerships already ongoing with your future employers. PN, thank you so much for your time today. We, we really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Good luck. Thank you. That was P.N. Saxena. He's the dean and a professor in the College of Business Administration here at Winthrop. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day.
the Bee Gees with How Deep Is Your Love here on WINR Eagle Air. Joe Casco, Mark Nortz here with you for Virtual Winthrop Day. And we really appreciate all the interaction that we're having with you this afternoon. We hope you are enjoying this as well as we introduce you to many members of the Winthrop community, students, faculty, staff, and many alumni who have very interesting stories to tell. And that's really something that's pretty cool that everybody's got a story, don't they? Oh, everybody's got a story to tell. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's what, uh, what ties everybody together. Uh, I think um, it kind of gives you that commonality. You know, something in common is Winthrop and, and what draws you here and what keeps you here and what gives you the fond memories. Um, and we, we, we were just talking here, um, you know, we're getting some of the feedback from, uh, from some of the listeners and everything. And one of our, um, one of our colleagues said, um, don't forget the integrated marketing program in the mass comm department. And our bad, we kind of got, got so excited about broadcasting that, um, yeah, there is. Um, we have the IMC program, Integrated Marketing Communication Major, and that is part of the department, and you can learn about advertising, public relations, marketing. Um, and we also have a communication studies minor. And, um, oh, plus there's there's a lot of different clubs you can join um, that have to do with, with communication. We have um, the Video Production Club. Um, and the Video Production Club, uh, basically um, – they uh, they meet once a week right here in Johnson Hall, and they um, they look at uh, different short films, um, video production techniques, and they've actually um, over the the past few years they've completed several little small um, uh, short movies that they, that the club members have written and they've produced and edited themselves, which is pretty cool. And then you've got the Association for Women in Communications, uh, the Society for Professional Journalism, and the um, Winthrop University Association of, of Black Journalists, um, which, by the way, was um, awarded the Chapter of the Year, which is a, a huge, huge honor. So Woo ABJ, they call it, Winthrop University Association of Black Journalists, um, recognized as an outstanding chapter um, in, in, in our profession, which is really cool. So, yeah, we, we'd be, we would be remiss if we didn't mention um, the IMC program, Integrated Marketing Communication, that um, it's kind of a hybrid between... Um, the mass communication department and the College of Business. So marketing, public relations, um, all the good stuff there. It kind and also too, you get some mass communication courses in there as well. Yeah, and we're going to have a conversation with Chelsea Brown coming up, who does a lot of development work. She's a graduate student at the uh, University of Maryland, and she does consulting work in the field of nonprofit and fundraising. And she's one of our majors uh, graduates from uh, about five or six years ago, I believe. Right, right. Yeah, she was our outstanding broadcast senior at the time when she graduated. And she's just gone on to do some really cool things. Um, she's one of those students that um, she was always very, very, very good, very, very conscientious. And you always wondered, like, where is she going to go from here? Well, if you look at her resume, she's definitely gone a lot of places. And she said it's all because of Winthrop. Winthrop has led her down so many different roads and so many different paths, and um, it's the key to her success, she says. And oftentimes you find people who you mentioned she focused on broadcast, but oftentimes you'll find people who go into journalism broadcasting and then decide to cross over into public relations, advertising. Right, right. Um, You know, there's a lot of skills in those areas that are transferable to other disciplines, so we'll be talking to her in a few minutes, you can get in touch with us today. Send us a direct message via Facebook. It's at WU Eagle Air. And you can find us also at that same handle on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to send us a song for your pandemic playlist, just send us or tweet at us with the hashtag pandemic playlist. We love hearing from you and, and all the interesting places of where we know people are listening from today. So it's... It's been a fun day. It rolls on. We've got plenty more people that we're planning to get on the phone here to talk with this afternoon. So trying to share these Winthrop stories with you for virtual Winthrop Day. We're going to bring you a a song off of my pandemic playlist. It's a, a little song, a little tune from Imagine Dragons. It's coming up next, and then we'll get Chelsea Brown on the phone, or if I press the right button there. There's just too many buttons here to press today, Mark, and uh, 
and to talk and press buttons at the same time. I oh, hear man, you. if I, I were chewing you. gum, my head would explode. Yeah. <laughs> Listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco, Mark Nortz here with you.